0: Sergeant and Mrs. Smith, you are going to love this house.
1: Is that a tub in the kitchen? There's no field manual for finding the right home. But when you do,
2: USAA Homeowners Insurance can help protect it the right way. Restrictions apply.
3: Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy So go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.
1: I'm LZ Granderson, and this is Life Out Loud. So hey there, we've all seen the recent headlines, the depressing news about Roe v. Wade, the potential for marriage equality to be challenged soon thereafter. There's a lot to be down about right now. So we're not going to spend much time digging into that. No, instead, we're going to focus in on the things that lifts us up. That's why we are closing out Pride Month with this special bonus episode of Life Out Loud featuring some terrific queer stories from ABC's Soul of a Nation special called Pride To Be Seen. Watching the White House press room is appointment viewing to find out what's going on in this country. But now, the queer community has an even greater incentive watching my girl Karine Jean-Pierre, the country's first black and openly gay press secretary, field all those questions. Here's ABC's G test with some of his own.
4: There's a new White House press secretary in the West Wing, Karine Jean-Pierre.
0: The president is going to give a speech this evening at 7.30.
4: Front and center, as President Joe Biden's chief spokesperson, she's made history in her own right.
0: I am a black, gay, immigrant woman the first of all three of those to hold this position. I would not be here today if it were not for generations of barrier-breaking people before me.
4: Corrine, have you taken all of this in?
0: I try to appreciate this every day and not forget we are doing something incredibly important and uh, in many ways historic.
4: Jean-Pierre is taking us on a behind-the-scenes, exclusive look at the White House press office.
0: Who's doing tomorrow's schedule?
4: And a chance to sit down and get to know the woman behind that famous podium. So I want to start at the beginning for you. Why don't we go back to Elaine Antoine and Jean-Christopher? Tell me about them.
0: Those are my parents, my uh, Haitian-born parents, who truly has made me who I am. They left Haiti when they were both very young, before I was born. Ultimately, we ended up in New York City, and I've pretty much am a New Yorker through and through in my heart. And uh, my uh, parents, they tell you, you're gonna be a doctor.
4: They really wanted you to be a doctor.
0: They really wanted me to be a doctor. At what
4: point then did you decide you don't wanna do that?
0: Any kid, I think, doesn't wanna disappoint their parents. It was very hard coming to that conclusion that it wasn't for me my coming out story. When I was 16 years old, I realized that I was different and I kind I kind of knew. Yeah, really. there was a knowingness. There's a knowingness that you are different and you're trying to figure out. And at 16, I came out to my mom. She did not take it very well. I said to her that I was a lesbian, that I was gay, and for her, it was just like you could see her head spinning.
4: I think you described it in your book as repulsive.
0: Repulsive. She was repulsed. And um it was very sad.
4: There's a quote in your book that just brought me to tears. My sexual orientation, I realized, had the power to destroy the person I loved the most in the world and to whom I felt the deepest gratitude. You use that word destroy. I think you perfectly captured the fear of coming out.
0: Caribbean, uh, you know, people of color, black households could be incredibly conservative. She saw me getting married, having kids to a man and having a totally different life and being a doctor. I mean, they have this painted life for you, and it is really, you're destroying all of that.
4: I told my mom that I was gay when I was 24, and at first she had trouble understanding it, but I didn't expect her to understand something that took me 24 years to understand. in 24 hours.
0: That's such a good point. But
4: incredibly she did. Yeah. And your story's a little different because it took much longer.
0: Years down the road, I meet my current partner and then when Soleil was born, that's my daughter, almost everything changed. She had so much love for our child that it almost changed her frame of thinking and now that that has been revealed and i am fully myself i can talk to her about things i can talk to her about my relationship i can talk to her about being a mom
4: we are seeing so many laws across the country that many see as anti-lgbtq plus i wonder for you as a mother What do you think?
0: I am always concerned as a mom because you're trying to raise a a, a little person that's going to be the best of themselves. (laughs) I see those laws and I feel for young people who are in school, right? Who are trying to just be who they are. That's why I'm here, to continue to fight and to make sure that we hopefully deliver and change things and make people's lives better.
2: I also hope Congress will get to my desk the Equality Act to protect LGBTQ Americans. (laughs)
4: President Biden has urged Congress to protect LGBTQ plus rights with legislation like the Equality Act, which has passed the House of Representatives but stalled in the 50-50 divided Senate. The Equality Act is something that the president called the top priority for the first hundred days of the presidency, but he hasn't been able to push that through Congress. Uh, Did he underestimate how hard that would be to pass?
0: No, I don't think so. He underestimated it because, remember, he used to be in Congress. He knows how the Senate works. He knows it takes time, uh, but he knows you have to keep fighting to get things done. Uh, Him calling on Congress to act does matter. Uh, Is it going to take time? Unfortunately, it will. But does it mean that we stop fighting? Absolutely not.
4: What is your hope and your message to young people especially?
0: Whoever might be struggling right now or are trying to figure out how do you make it through life, how do you push through, just know that there are two people right now who's had to go through the same thing. And representation matters. I hope I represent something to them that gives them that hope, uh, that gives them that inspiration and helps them move through life.
1: We're here to celebrate and honor the past while looking ahead to the future. It's been more than 50 years since trans and queer people rebelled at New York Stonewall Inn, risking their lives not just to be heard and seen, but to be, to exist free from intolerance and discrimination. This year, with more than 200 bills across the country threatening our community, the freedom to be has never been more at risk. Some states are directly targeting their attacks on the youth, but how do they thrive in a world of the so-called don't say gay? ABC's Steve Osensami explains how it takes a little magic.
0: I often say that this school is like my favorite place.
2: It's morning in Alabama at one of the few schools of its kind in the country.
0: Good day.
5: It's just like any other school. We just lift up people
2: who are put down. Some of these teenagers are traveling more than an hour each way to get to the Magic City Acceptance Academy, a new charter school in the suburbs of Birmingham. Middle School, let me hear one time real! It's become a magical place for more than 230 students who've left behind old middle and high schools where they didn't feel safe or respected.
3: You come here if you want to be somebody you can't be outside of these walls.
2: This repurposed office building sure does feel like any school in America.
0: My name is Evelyn. I just identify myself as queer.
2: But what's different is that many of these students are proudly queer. And this school tells them all, in every room and in every hallway, you are perfect just the way you
5: are. I am Loki, I am a senior and I go by they, she pronouns.
2: What was it about your old high school that you really wanted to sort of get away from?
5: The bullying and like harassment was like very overwhelming, and I was just in like a really dark place going there.
2: But outside their new school, there are people who want to tear the walls down.
6: Right here in Alabama, millions of your tax dollars are paying for the first transgender public school in the South. Enough of this foolishness. It's time to fight back.
2: There are grown ups who say that this publicly funded charter school that's open to any student is ruining America.
5: It's a scary thing. Oh, my school is on the TV, and it's not like they're not saying good things about it.
2: You were worried about safety.
5: Yes, and the fact that a grown person would use children as like a pawn and their like political campaign just like infuriates me.
7: I'm Christian Taylor, I am a straight male. It, It upset me and then it made me mad to a certain point.
0: I was actually one of the people whose face was shown in the ad.
2: What did
7: your parents
0: say? My parents were very, very angry, especially my mom.
2: The students and their families feel very much under attack by forces that stretch far beyond Alabama. In nearly 40 states, lawmakers have come up with more than 200 measures that target LGBTQ children and their parents. In Alabama, the governor recently approved a law tied up in court that could make it a felony for medical professionals to provide gender-affirming care to transgender children under the age of 19. And this is how she explained her signature.
8: We need to protect our young people, and it's a good Lord. Makes you a boy when you're born, you're a boy. You, good boy, makes you a girl when you're born, you're a girl.
3: The politicians here—they make us feel unwelcome. Man.
9: <laughs> man.
2: The parents of Eliza Julian tell us that they're tired of people who don't know any better telling them what's healthy for their daughter.
8: Great. great, God is good. Yeah, that thinking like for? Of him. Of it. so he, it's
9: that's almost great. immediately she made friends. She's going out. She's going out almost every weekend. Um, this is somebody who very rarely went out and did anything at all.
10: So it's kind of, yeah, it was, it was a lot like you know, having her back. And so I've tried to be outspoken as much as I can and people need to know the truth. The truth is that this
2: school is saving lives. It's no secret anymore that queer teenagers are four times more likely to attempt suicide. And according to the Trevor Project, about 1.8 million queer youth will seriously consider suicide each year in the U.S. alone. Nigel Shelby was a freshman at Huntsville High School in Alabama when he ended his own life in April of
11: 2019.
8: We're cooking, show them what we're making. we making biscuits, let's go. It's not easy, it's not easy at all. Mmm, Yeah. I don't think Nigel struggled with being gay I think Nigel struggled with being accepted. Ever since Nigel was born, I just, I kind of knew, like, I just kind of knew. Me and one of my friends were out shopping and we were trying to figure out, you know, what I was gonna get Nigel for Christmas. And we seen this rainbow hoodie, which is the hoodie he has on, on my shirt. Christmas Day, I let him open all his gifts and I saved it for the last. He hugged me so tight. I'll never forget him telling me that this was the best Christmas present. Because I guess it was a symbol to him that, okay, my mama really does accept me.
2: It was acceptance that she says he wasn't getting in school and it was his last Christmas alive. How many kids do you have now? I have 240 kids. Walking the Acceptance Academy with the school principal, you can feel the weight and importance of his work with every step. We're about giving these kids a life. When you go to the authorities or your parents do in a school and complain that you're being harassed in the restroom, pushed up against your locker every day, and nothing's done. The kids very delicately said that, you know, they believe that you're saving lives. You know, I can't help but get emotional when I hear that.
8: It's not straight A's. It's about, first and foremost,
2: being proud of who you are within your skin,
8: I think that if Nigel had had an opportunity to attend a school like um, the Magic City Academy, it would have made a huge difference in his life. And it's kind of sad, though, that you have to open a particular type of school for these kids to feel safe when they should be able to feel safe in any school they go to.
5: It's why their high school prom meant so much. And it was just like, this like magical moment of, I get to be as pretty as I want.
2: More than one student told us it was the most important night of their lives so far. I was very moved by your prom because when I was in high school, I didn't go to my prom because, you know, I knew I was gay. And I didn't want to go and pretend.
5: It was just so nice.
0: We're actual people. My existence should not be controversial.
5: We just want to, like, get through high school, get to college, and go live our lives.
1: But not before learning that they are beautiful, too. If you or someone you know are struggling with thoughts of suicide, help is available. Call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 1-800-273-8255. Again, that number is 1-800-273-8255. The Church. Being queer. Some people think they can't coexist. Can they? Earlier this season, you heard me tackle this question with my former pastor, Rob Bell. Now, here's Robin Roberts on her faith and the congregation that leads with love.
9: Smack dab in the middle of Harlem. The First Corinthian Baptist Church consists of a tight knit community of family, friends, neighbors, and inclusivity.
3: So, so good to see all of you on this Sunday which today is a pride parade, and we honor pride this month. On this Pride Sunday, we thank God. We honor a God who honors all of humanity.
9: For almost two decades now, Pastor Michael Walron Jr. has led an open door policy for all of those wanting to practice their faith. Everyone
3: is welcome through those doors. LGBTQ plus community as well. You know, what is tragic is that we have to ask churches now whether they are affirming or not. To me, that is tragic.
9: Pastor Mike has compassionately crafted his church's identity statement to live, love, and serve.
3: It says that we love beyond the limits of our prejudices, right, mm. whether it's how we were raised or how we were socially influenced, because that's what love means in, 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 in my belief. I, I have to be honest, when I was a young man, there was homophobia that existed with me. It was the environment I grew up in. It existed with you? Oh yeah. I grew up in the family, it was like, no. We stay away from that. But I remember I had my own personal conversion when I was in Divinity School. Now I'm about 22 years old at the time. Here I was, studying, preparing to be a pastor, and I had this bias when it came to people who were gay, right? I couldn't get past my own prejudice. I couldn't love beyond it. And then when I really started talking to more friends and, and, and coworkers and classmates, who are part of the LGBTQ community, and I saw their struggle. I realized that I cannot claim to be a true follower of the Carpenter and harbor resentment on this issue.
9: There's so many that will go, Pastor Mike, the Bible. Yeah. But the Bible says it's wrong. Yeah. How do you respond when people well, say you know, that?
3: Many people have used Christianity as a conduit for their hate, right? It has been used to justify oppression in all of its forms, but you have a hard time co-opting the teachings of Jesus that are deeply rooted in love. So for me, to be a follower of those teachings, to be a follower of The Carpenter, means that I take love seriously, and I let love be made manifest in how I show up in this world.
9: You must hear just some incredibly powerful stories from people who come here to worship with you, from the LGBTQ plus community who have had their struggles. There
3: are so many people who have been damaged and wounded by church, and that's not the way. For me, being an affirming ally is about being with, standing with, being in solidarity, showing compassion.
9: It's that unconditional love that has appealed to the church's LGBTQIA plus members and welcomed them to affirm their faith every Sunday.
11: I felt an immediate warmth and love, and I saw people that looked like me, that dressed like me, that were even more fabulous than me. Before FCBC, I thought I could not have a relationship
2: with Christ. In my brain, if I wasn't accepted by the parents and then the church wouldn't, so what was the purpose? And so I felt lost, I felt lonely.
9: These feelings are not uncommon. A 2020 study found that those in the LGBTQIA community are twice as likely to disaffiliate from the religion. Longtime church member Ruthie and her trans daughter, Glory, have their own unique experience.
8: I look good. I feel good.
9: (laughs) Glory recently returned to the church for the first time since 2010.
5: Tell me about your spiritual journey, Glory. I think the year that I came out was the same year that I stopped going to church. But at the same time, I definitely feel like I've gotten closer to God through being First gay, then trans, then gay and trans. My spirituality functions through my queerness, right? Like they go in tandem, there isn't one without the other. Now,
9: Ruthie has a message that she wants to share with other parents of faith.
8: Don't despise the packaging. Mm. Just because it's not packaged the way in which you feel it should be does not mean it's not a blessing. Mm. This young lady right here is one of the best things that ever happened to me. I'm grateful that God gave me an open heart because I would have missed out on a whole lot. Mm. I would say to the mother, any mother that's having a hard time accepting their child, love your child. That is who God gave you and entrust you with. And it's up to you to honor that, that gift that God has given you. Oh, God.
5: Why are you crying right now? They're like happy, I'm happy to yours. I love my mother, I do, like a lot. And like everyone needs that, like a parental relationship is necessary. And without that, you're kind of like cast adrift. And I'm like deeply grateful that I've like had that anchor. That's
3: a parent's love and that's what it should be. Being a parent trumps anything that you could ever conceive of. And Glory's courage to say, listen, I have to discover my journey. If she continues to honor her path and honor who she is, she's living the life that she was created to live, and I honor that. There's nothing wrong with unlearning and relearning, especially when it's in the name of love and healing and wholeness and hope, right? So for those who are figuring, well, you know, pastor, yeah, I hear you, but this is tough. Well, I get it. What does it mean to truly be a child of God who takes the teachings of Jesus seriously who wants to show up in the world
1: in a way where you live, you love, and you serve. Amen. Amen. Coming up after the break, we're about to work. It's time to talk about Dragon Ballroom. Life
3: is a highway. And on it, there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one bit crispy. So go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour
0: Hey, I'm Andy Mitchell, a New York Times best-selling author, and I'm Sabrina Kohlberg, a morning television producer.
1: Welcome back. We are closing our Pride Month with a bonus episode of Life Out Loud featuring some terrific queer stories from ABC's Soul of a Nation special called Pride to be Seen. It's something that we've talked a lot about on Life Out Loud. Drag and ballroom. It's not just fashion or runway looks. It's a philosophy, a phenomenon, and most of all, a family.
8: Drag is self-expression, it's everything. Honestly,
5: let's be real, drag is freedom.
1: Drag encompasses everything that I love,
5: whether it's hair, makeup, dance. The wig is literally like that moment where I really
7: feel like I'm transformed into like the drag persona.
5: If I wanna wear a suit with sequins, I can do that too and feel fierce and flawless. I'm a drag queen, I'm the queen. And I'm also like the Marie Antoinette queen
7: because I ate a lot of cake. I don't really know, bro. I just showed up today.
2: Drag is one of the most vital art forms in pop culture today.
5: Oh, work. I love that. As RuPaul most famously says, you're born naked and the
1: rest is drag. You a girl. RuPaul has been a staple in mainstream America for decades now. I'm in college and there's Ru doing Supermodel. It felt so empowering. Do
13: your thing on the runway. In 1993,
1: when she performed Supermodel at the gay the march in Washington, it became an anthem.
11: I think what Rue has done has been to shift people's perception of an entire community of people.
8: Peace, love, and hair grease. I love you.
11: Today, drag queens have become
1: extremely mainstream, ushering in their own makeup lines, doing commercials for luxury cars, posing in windows of Saks Fifth Avenue, and
6: winning Emmy Awards.
14: RuPaul's Drag Race.
6: Every country, every culture has its own drag tradition. The Drag Race Spain. It's become this sort of global family.
1: Drag Race Thailand Ka.
6: Dare I say it,
1: we're here. What you may be familiar with in terms of popular movies or television shows are men dressed in drag, whether it's Tootsie, whether it's Flip Wilson's Geraldine. What we're talking about is actually drag culture, which is a lot more nuanced.
7: We owe such an homage to the queens that came before us, the herstory,
5: true herstory of drag. There were laws against putting on a dress, dressing as a member of the, the opposite sex. We understood what it was like when we were ostracized.
14: It
1: was like hush hush. You basically were looking up gay bars, hoping it doesn't get raided. The 1960s were really important for the queer community when it came to LGBTQ plus equality. And so by the time Stonewall rolled around, it was basically just lighting a stick of dynamite. And drag queens were completely instrumental in all of that.
5: These are our finalists. There's
2: this movie called The Queen that people need to see. It's a documentary film, late 60s. And it is about a drag pageant. You get a glimpse of what it
7: must have been like when everybody was in the closet.
8: Well, you know my mother, uh, she doesn't really accept it. She just sort of said that she wouldn't talk about it anymore. She really doesn't understand.
7: Crystal Beja walks and comes in third place and critiques by walking off stage.
12: Crystal, where are you going? Because of skin color, she felt that she was not treated fairly. It's in bad taste and you're showing your colors, and I am, I am doing it bad, but I got an. I have a right to show my color, darling. I am
8: beautiful and I know I'm beautiful.
7: The very first house was created as a result in many ways of that moment. The House of La Beige is created, named after Crystal,
1: And you begin to see the morphing from drag ball to house ball. House Ball is an event created by queer and trans kids of color. And these balls, you know, basically were unknown to the masses until the documentary Paris is Burning.
12: There was family. I saw us, I saw possibility.
8: Virginia Slim's girl is here.
12: I didn't know that we could look that great or be that
1: great. Voguing was an expression of a culture that was born out of like oppression and pain and joy and love. <laughs> It is so beautiful to go to a
5: ball and to see the family aspects that as POC queer people, they may not receive by their biological family.
12: As a black trans woman, when I walk into ballroom, I see love. I see a place where
1: I can feel like I belong. There are competition in which people are competing against one another in various categories. There's all sorts of amazing events like the latex ball or the OTA functions. That world has basically been the heart of like television shows such as Legendary. Our arms control category. And pose.
7: The category is, bring it like royalty.
5: Let's be real, come on. What category do you think I walk? I walk face, there's a bowl category.
7: There's the hand, there's the duck walk.
1: there's the hair spinning, there's the dip. Outside a ballroom, people call it the death drop dip. Let's
2: get sexy!
1: The dip, hair whips, the shade, all of that originated from ballroom culture and is popularized on RuPaul's Drag Race, including that sense of community. We are a family here.
14: Now we're living in a time where I can be a trans band doing feminine drag on national television and being able to get the platform to tell my story. This show has helped humanize <laughs> A lot of people. It gives me hope that the next
5: generation of kids might not have it as hard as we did back then. Have
6: fun.
1: Every single drag queen isn't on television. You have drag queens in your local bars right now, and they are all part of the same story.
5: Drag is a testament to us being here.
1: So, baby, try as you might, we're gonna be here and we're gonna fight.
7: Oh, that'll just rhyme. <laughs> I did. And then they do a death drop, and it's
12: fantastic. It's not a death drop. It's a dip.
1: We can see that trans representation in media has often centered on their trauma, focusing on the challenges of being transgender in America. But not right now. Today, we celebrate trans joy. Here's Juju Chang.
12: Come on, come on. Aiden Mann is living his best life, sharing intimate truths about his life on social media. Just a dude and his dogs.
14: I have two dogs, both are rescues. Lola, she's a pit Great Dane mix. And then Plum, who was unfortunately born deaf and blind. After 95 million
12: views on TikTok, it's not just puppy love for his fans.
14: Knowing what's in somebody's pants isn't going to educate you more on the trans community.
12: When he's not on social media,
14: he's a UPS
12: delivery guy.
14: I like the active part of picking up boxes and it being outside all the time, and more often than not, UPS people bring joy to people because they ordered something and they've been waiting for it. You're like Santa Claus. Yeah.
6: Yeah, <laughs> yeah kind of. We have
14: an accident and injury-free... And so what's it like walking into the bro culture? They accept me for who I am. They don't treat me any different. How are you? They treat me like a human, and that's honestly, as a trans individual, all you could ask for.
12: Growing up, Aiden came out as a lesbian, played basketball at a Christian college.
14: I had great family, I had great friends, but internally it was very stuck. I was not sure if I could go through the rest of my life living like that.
12: At 24, he decided to transition.
14: One day on testosterone. One month on testosterone. I am six months on testosterone. Obviously my parents were like a big deal to tell, but like I was mostly worried about my brother. He's a military chaplain. At that time he was actually in Afghanistan you were afraid there wasn't going to be full acceptance. Right, and best response I could have ever imagined was, cool, I've always wanted a brother. My name is Aiden Michael, two and a half years, I'm three years on testosterone. That was the physical change. What was the emotional change? The biggest thing emotionally for me was self-love and the confidence. I have a self-love that I never could have imagined. When I say trans joy, what comes to mind? I was actually in Alabama with my whole family we were sitting at a dinner table ordering our food and the lady was going around and then looks at me and was like, and you sir? And I was like, ah! <laughs> it was a huge step of just, like, euphoria. i like, they just called me sir. Like,
12: <laughs> but raising visibility for trans men also, at times, makes Aiden a target.
14: I've had death threats. People who, in detail, told me that if they had the opportunity, that they would murder me mm-hmm. and how they would do it.
12: What do you think that transphobia, that
14: trans hate is? People are afraid of what they don't understand. People are afraid of something that's different. But then I had one direct message saying, hey, because of you, I didn't commit suicide. I mean, just the one message about not committing suicide is worth 300 comments of hate.
12: So he fights on, knowing he stands on the shoulders of other trans activists from marginalized groups within the LGBTQ movement, trans women of color
7: like Diamond Styles. I am the executive director of Black Trans Women's Inc. We do work around homelessness, around anti-violence. 40% of homeless youth are LGBT. Because it actually was a trans woman that got murdered firsthand. I I definitely know it can lead to sex work, drugs. It can lead to you living with people that are unsafe.
12: Diamond was assigned male at birth, but began identifying
7: as female when she was 13.
12: And were you Diamond Styles in high school? Yes.
7: I was, at the time, living in a group home. And I had just a little bit more freedom. Nobody really said anything. And so they just let me be who I was.
12: Until the day they said, you can't wear a gown to prom.
7: The audacity of it really just fueled me. And so my English teacher slid me a piece of paper with the ACLU's number on it, and they took my case pro bono. I have my rights. I have the right to do what I want to do. And- You won. I won. They were telling me, this is in conservative Indiana, you're gonna lose. I didn't lose, I won. It sparked something in me that led to who I am today.
12: But for decades, victories were elusive Diamond dropped out of college to help support a younger brother when her mom went to jail, facing harassment in the workplace. One boss, she says, firing her without cause.
7: He says, it's easier for me to get rid of you than for me to get rid of six people and find new people. Logically, that makes sense. But is it fair? No.
12: (laughs) So when you are fired from three different jobs, survival, sex work.
7: That's really all that was all that's left. So sex work was the survival tool, not what I wanted.
12: Diamond went on to earn a college degree. At 41, she also
7: hosts a popular weekly podcast. Welcome to Marsha's Plate, a black trans-inclusive feminist podcast.
12: I heard that you called Marsha's Plate after Marsha P. Johnson.
7: Absolutely. Marsha B. Johnson is a black trans femme who was a part of the rebellion that happened here at Stonewall. And so to give a little nod to her, Gone are the days where we have to be ashamed of who we are and what we are. I've been passed the torch from all of the people who came before me. If I can be free to do what I want to do, you can be free to do what you want to do.
12: So what's it like being here at Stonewall? Today, we're meeting at Stonewall Inn, the landmark, a symbol of the fight for LGBTQ plus rights.
7: I love that it laid the foundation that I can be here and free at Stonewall with you and just doing what we need to do to push the culture even further for the next generation.
12: Do you see your visibility as a radical act?
7: Absolutely. I see me getting up, breathing, and going outside as a radical act. I just feel like I am a shining, radical example of (laughs) self-love.
1: Finally, we take you now to where history was made, an historic but lesser-known tavern, the Black Cat in Los Angeles. It was there in 1967 that queer people and allies protested police Who arrested men for simply kissing each other on new year's eve this was a full two years before the historic stonewall riots here now is alex perez
13: joining me here is actor jonathan bennett skylar baylor the first openly trans athlete to compete in division one ncaa men's sports and actor and singer joshua Colley. so happy to have you guys here skylar let's start with you we hear this coming out process and the coming out story and we've put everyone's is different, and those stories do shape who we become as time goes by, and yours is different from others because you, you kind of came out twice, right?
10: So yeah, I came out first actually as a lesbian because I, I knew I liked girls, and I thought, okay, everybody says I'm a girl, I, I guess that makes me gay, ma- makes me a lesbian. Um, it didn't ever quite sit right with me, and then a couple of years later, after really struggling with my mental health and really feeling like I just, I wasn't grounded in myself if that makes sense i realized that i was trans Um, and when i when i realized that that was the thing that really allowed me to become myself and and kind of grow into who i am
6: but i i'm always coming out i tell somebody that i'm trans every single day i i have to agree with you it's it's not just a one-time thing when i was in high school i knew i was gay and i didn't realize there was anything wrong with being gay it wasn't until society and kids in my school bullied me and made me think that there was something wrong with being gay. So I kinda came out to myself, came out to my friends, and I went back in the closet because I was told that, hey, if you're gonna be an actor and be a leading man, you, you can't be gay. So I had to go back in the closet. And then it wasn't until I met my husband, I was able to come out completely and publicly. And what I love about this group is that we all
11: are going to have sort of slightly different experiences. Yeah. Uh, the youngest one on the panel here, what's it been like for you? Well, this is my first time ever talking about sexuality, like publicly or openly. Um, it's definitely been a journey of self-discovery. I still am learning who I am and what I like. I haven't had a lot of experience, and I don't really feel like I'm wanting to put a label on myself or I'm still discovering myself. It's ever-changing and ever-evolving. So, um, yeah, definitely not straight. And that's up to you, right? Like, does it make sense that people assume that I'm cis?
10: Sure, but it's not my responsibility to share my identity with them. I always want to remind other queer people, especially the trans people, that it's a privilege for other people to know our identities.
13: I want to talk a little bit about parents. I grew up in a single-parent family, raised by my mom, and I didn't come out until I was 25 years old and that's kind of old for a lot of people these days. And I remember when I told my mom I was driving and she kind of, you know, I would pull over, i tell her and she kind of puts her hand on her heart and I said, oh my God, she's having a heart attack or something. <laughs> but then she says, you know what? You're still my son. I love you, I'll never stop loving you, but don't tell anybody.
7: Ooh. Mm-hmm.
13: Don't tell any of our family members, don't tell anyone. And at that point, I wasn't mature enough in my sexuality and who I was to say, you know what, mom, that's probably not the right thing.
6: So I said, okay. I know when my mom, when I told her that I was gay, the first thing she said to me was, okay, just don't get AIDS. And that's what she said to me because that's all she knew because it was a different time. And she had watched her friends who were gay growing up deal with the AIDS pandemic. So if you're a parent out there, should you be talking
13: to your kids? What do you suggest to parents? Should they be the ones who sort of
11: ask a question? I think the prodding sometimes can be like, the are you gay question is a little daunting for some people. It was normalized in my household because also my parents showed their love towards the LGBTQ community. For parents, if you want to ask your kid and have that conversation, that's fine, but I think It's important to just show your support for the community. I think a lot of parents sometimes make it about
13: them. It's
10: not about them, right? I think one of the most damaging things we do to kids is try to tell them who they are. Mm. And that's for queer kids, that's for trans kids, and it's also for not queer and not trans kids. I think it's
6: about creating a safe place for your child to tell you who they are and for you to be able to really listen to them.
13: So I see all of you sitting (laughs) but so confidently in who you are right now Mm -hmm. in this moment. And if you
6: take a second to think back, what would you say to that that younger self? I would say to him, to the kid who is in Ohio, dancing to musical theater and wearing his mom's heels and click clacking around the living room, I would say people are going to tell you that you're too much. And my simple phrase, you are never too much and you're always enough.
11: It's powerful. Josh? Just be yourself, explore yourself, and don't feel the need to put a label on it. You know, it's ever-evolving and ever-changing.
10: I would just say, you've got it. You know who you are. And adults are going to try to tell you that you're somebody else, and they're going to try to make you into a different version um, that isn't really you. I love who I am today. Alex,
6: what would you tell Younger Alex?
13: What would I tell Younger Alex? Because Younger Alex was this, insecure, fearful, ashamed young boy who thought his sexuality was going to define him so he had to hide it. Doing that hurt me in a way and made me experience a pain that I didn't know was possible. So I would tell that young Alex, instead of hiding all that away and putting it in a place where no one can see it, put it where everyone can see it, shine
1: shine indeed thanks for joining us for this special episode of Life Out Loud the full special Soul of a Nation presents Pride to be seen is available now on Hulu and Disney Plus and I just want to give a big shout out to our good friend here at Life Out Loud Robert Zapata. he executive produced this special for the network and he did a really terrific job nice work Robert and happy Pride to all of you we're so happy that you spent time with us listening to some of these fantastic stories. We're hard at work on season three of Life Out Loud, and we can't wait to tell even more fantastic stories. So stay tuned. Life Out Loud with LZ Granderson, the production of ABC Audio, produced by my friend Trevor Hastings. Senior producer is Brenda Salinas-Baker. The executive producer of Life Out Loud is Liz Alessi. I'm LZ Granderson. This, this that is that good good. good.